Welcome to the Queenfidence Lifestyle Podcast with Image Confidence, Christy Kennedy. She turned a pink slip into the life of her dreams. Imagine having the confidence to do anything, the boldness to speak up in any setting, and the power to unleash who you were destined to be. And welcome back to another dynamic episode of Queenfidence Lifestyle. I have been excited about our current guest today, Dr. Beth Fisher Yoshida. She is a global expert and educator in intercultural negotiation and communication. She's the program director of Columbia University's Master of Science in Negotiation and Conflict Resolution, a negotiation consultant for the United Nations and the CEO of the consulting agency Fisher Yoshida International. She works in the U.S. and worldwide conducting workshops on leadership, culture, workplace conflict, and negotiation, and boasts a client list that includes Fortune 100 companies, nonprofit, military and security forces, governments, NGOs, and educational institutions. Now, that is a mouthful. Her new book, New Story, New Power, A Woman's Guide to Negotiation, helps women of all ages make successful negotiations a reality. On today, we want to say welcome, Beth. Welcome. We are so honored to have you here. Oh, thank you, Chrissy. This is great. I'm looking forward to this conversation as well. Yes, I believe this is such a vital topic, especially in our volatile market. We've recently heard of the news of uh, banks crashing, and it's just been wild out there in the marketplace. And with big techs laying off, and I, I really think this is so important so women understand and know their power, know their worth, and be able to articulate that more importantly. And so I'm super excited to hear what you have to teach us on today. Uh, I'd like to start with a heart to heart, the woman behind the work. What will we see Beth doing a non-business activity that you absolutely love that refreshes and refuels you? Thank you for that question. So there are a couple of things. One, I like to read. So I read novels when I want to just off time. I like cultural, like historical cultural novels. And I also have an art background, so I don't do as much as I'd like to. But when I can, I like to do some visual arts like drawing and painting. Ah, you are my kind of people. (laughs) I tell you, I've been collecting coloring books lately, but between coaching sessions, they are so relaxing and this allows me to clear my mind. So I am with you on that. Thank you so much for sharing your world. You know, today we're going to just deep dive into how did you become interested in this topic of women and negotiation? So I've been an educator my whole life in one form or another, be it in a workshop training in an organizational context or in the classroom and the graduate program or through coaching sessions. And I started to notice certain patterns that women get into when it comes to negotiation. Even the word negotiation sometimes puts people into a little bit of a tizzy because they uh, anticipate that it's going to be difficult. It's good. They're going to have to come out really like with hardball tactics and they're going to probably not do well. So I noticed that. And then I thought, okay, let me look at the research and see what's going on. Cause I am in the university setting. So I am a scholar practitioner with a foot in both worlds. Mm-hmm. So I said, let's see what the research says. So then I looked at the research and basically the research to me was very contradictory about women's experiences because 
It had been traditionally a certain way where it's a very male-dominated world. But then there are a lot of other popular business books and things coming out saying women should assert themselves, women should ask mm. for more, women should ask, period, mm. right? But sometimes we don't. Mm. And so I said, you know, let me just start to conduct my own interviews and really dig down and see what's going on and what are the strategies that people use? Because I like to take a positive approach to it. Not only what are women not doing, but what are they doing that... Mm they're finding successful. So I conducted a lot of my own interviews, hundreds of women, including a whole study I did on women in the STEM professions. Mm -hmm. And I just started to notice certain patterns. And the impetus for the book is saying, you know what, I have all this experience and knowledge from all these different women. Why don't I put it together into a practical book that people can pick up and at any point, just open it up and find something useful Mm -hmm. that they can take and just apply right away. That's, that was the focus of the book. Wow. The long answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I, I think about negotiation, especially when you mention the word trigger, when we hear that, sometimes there's a negative connotation. You know, when, when you look at your research holistically, what were some of those key findings that stand out? So it really does segment according to how experienced the women were in the workplace. So I had like three segmentations of like women junior in their career, Mm -hmm. maybe under five years, women mid-career, 10 to 15 years, and then women who are senior in their career with 25 years or more. Mm -hmm. And so by segments, so for example, in the junior women, it was one or two extremes. And of course, stuff in the middle. But the one extreme would be, I'm not smart enough. I'm not experienced enough. I'm not good enough. I can't ask, you know, if I do and they say no, then I'm just going to walk away because I don't know what else to do. Or a little bit on the other extreme is, you know, I, I'm worth a lot and I'm going to ask for a lot and not necessarily using the tact that one needs in in a workplace Mm -hmm. setting. And then the mid-career people were the most sandwiched or challenged. So they had people reporting to them that they had to also mentor and develop and be responsible for, which is an interesting thing when you have to advocate for other people as well, not just yourself. And then they were still managing up because they were not finished with their careers by any means. They were not in a retirement age. And so they still had to manage the rest of their career growth and uh, to get where they wanted to be by the end of their career. And then the people who were senior really had already done pretty much what they wanted. And they just had a couple of more things to accomplish, such as leaving a legacy and mentoring others and sort of continuing to pave the way. So it really depended on who they were more than what industry or anything else. It was really about how much experience they had that made a difference. Oh, wow. Well, how does a woman set herself up for success in this space, whether she has experience or not? Right, right. So I think what is critical and to me is life work is really developing self-awareness. And Mm -hmm. that has so many layers and complexities to it. But to make it really simple, Mm -hmm. it's understanding what's really important at the end of the day, what is really important? What are your values? What do you really want the most? And understanding that there are so many different aspects as to who we are. Like you asked me earlier, what do I do when I'm not like in the workspace? And I said, I'm reading a novel or I'm painting. So it's Beth as an artist or Beth as a reader. It's not only Beth as a coach or Beth as an educator. Mm-hmm. So when you're in those other kinds of spaces, different parts of your identity surface, different parts of your personality, which means if you translate that into negotiations, different parts of you surface in each negotiation, depending on the issue you're negotiating, the context you're negotiating in, and who your negotiating partner is. 
So the more you can understand that, so in preparation, mm-hmm. it's really important to say like, which parts of me I, I, are going to really show up in a dominant way in this negotiation? Mm-hmm. And how does that work for me? How does that work for me in relation to what I want to negotiate? And that I think is really critical for the preparation. It's not just a blanket. I prepare the same way all the time because mm-hmm. every negotiation is a little bit different. Okay. So are we talking a tailor-made approach? I mean, of course, there are some basic principles and foundational things you're going to do. You're going to ask yourself certain questions. But at the end of the day, when you do your planning and you're picturing which way do I think it might go or which ways might it go, Mm. they're different depending on the negotiation. So the more you understand who you are in that space on that day in that negotiation, then you'll be better able to handle whatever triggers or anything else that comes your way. Wow. Strong sense of self when we're in the process of negotiating for what we want. That's right. That's right. Well, in your experience, Beth, what are you noticing as you're coaching women on their negotiation skills? What's coming up to the surface? Like to do, not to do, best practices, worst practices? I think it's a good practice to practice. <laughs> <laughs> So it's not just preparing because, you know, and this is, of course, not true for women only, but it's very much where we think we're communicating a certain message, Mm. but actually we may not be communicating as effectively as we think we are because we think the way we say something, the other person is going to understand this exactly as we intended. And sometimes, no, that doesn't happen. So, and then also I pay attention, really pay attention to the actual wording that's being used. So what I like to do when I'm coaching and definitely in uh, education and workshops, we do a lot of role playing Mm -hmm. and it's really putting yourself in the situation of trying to be as authentic as possible Mm -hmm. and to really do the negotiation and see what happens. And I like people to do that because then I have a chance or other people have a chance to reflect back. This is the impact. What you said had on me. Is that what you intended? You know, for example, I was coaching somebody once who thought she was communicating very clearly and she couldn't understand why her manager was not being more sensitive to her. And then what happened was she would become very emotional and start crying a lot of times and her manager, who was also another woman, was just could not handle that level of emotional expression in the negotiation. So that means what happened is the uh, manager would just shut down because she couldn't process what the message was beyond the tears. And so the person I was coaching needed to learn how to manage her emotions before she turned off the manager because she was getting in her own way and not being able to communicate her message. So we can't say, oh, that other person should have been more sensitive and so on. Yeah, we can say that all we want, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean we control that person's reaction. But what we can do is manage our own behavior. And that's where the onus is that we have to manage ourselves Mm. to try to elicit the kind of response we want in others. That is so powerful, Beth. Oh, thank you. Wow. When you think about, because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, we can connect with tears, but I never looked at tears could close off or, you know, cause you to miss an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because 
We each, you know, I mean, we have definitions about what we think is acceptable, like in a workplace in Mm -hmm. terms of emotional expression and being professional. And Mm -hmm. typically crying is not something we associate with being professional. You know, we may cry at home whether we want to or not, but we feel a little bit more free to do that and to express Mm -hmm. ourselves emotionally with friends and family. So in order to, uh, to have her remain professional mm. so the manager could f- deal with her on that level, she needed to really be very evidence-based, not emotional-based, because mm. that's what the manager needed to hear. And that's how the manager responded. So when she's preparing for her negotiation, which took you know several sessions we had, she had to understand that what do I need to do in preparation so that the message I deliver lands the way I want it to. And in order to do that with this particular person, I need to, you know, curtail the emotions and really be very logical, rational, evidence-based. And then she was gaining more success by doing that. Mm. That's rich. I'm curious, when you mention practice, can an individual practice alone and still be as effective as practicing with someone where, in your case, she had a mirror, she had she was able to have that reflected and could see real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would recommend that if in the absence of having somebody who can give you feedback, then, you know, maybe just record yourself, like video yourself mm-hmm. with Zoom and everything. We have so many easy ways of recording ourselves. Just record yourself and then play it back and see how you sound. Because do you sound the way you think you sounded when you actually said what you said? Because sometimes we don't. And then think about, the wording, you know, what's the wording I'm going to use? Because sometimes we use words that trigger, we talk about triggers before, that trigger other people. So we want to avoid that mm-hmm. unless we're looking for an emotional reaction. If we're looking to stimulate the other person and get a reaction, then we might do that. But that's a little bit more calculated. So I would say that we probably don't want to do that because we want to keep it uh, sort of open communication channel. And if the other person gets emotional in a way that they're not comfortable with, then they may shut down mm. the conversation or the negotiation. The key word, shut down. We don't want them to shut down. No, and we don't want to shut down either. We mm-hmm. want to keep it open, right? Because negotiation is a kind of communication. It's an interaction. It's relationship building. So mm. what we want to do, which unfortunately is not happening as much in the world today, is keep open channels of communication so you can share information and then you can shape the relationship and the interactions, the communication, so that you both walk away getting what you both want. Hmm. Yeah, communication is so different now. When I look, even as we look on social media and, and the way people communicate and the cancel culture, mm-hmm. and I tell you, you can see the importance of building healthy communication styles, especially when you say open. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting, too. I'm thinking about, you know, the um, level of caution that we need to have today in Mm. communicating because it's so easy to say something that offends somebody else. And I think it's really important to have that level of consciousness. But I always wonder, where's that space for forgiving people for you know, digressing and saying something that they didn't realize maybe was a trigger or that uh, they really didn't have intention to offend, mm-hmm. but they weren't aware of it. So it's a very difficult, I think it's challenging right now. I agree in the communication space. Absolutely. 
you know, women can communicate differently. I was reading parts of your books and and talk your book and talking about our background and how we are raised to be nurturers and our communication styles, being the good girl, good woman. Can you tell us a little bit about how role and you know the role gender plays in in negotiation, women versus men, and what what are some of those distinctions that you're noticing? Sure. So yes. So women in general, again, we're talking generalizations here, mm-hmm. are the nurturers. They take care of people and so on, and they want people to feel good. So in some ways. You can use that in building relationship and being very congenial, right? Mm -hmm. But in other ways, it could get in your way. And I remember reading some research studies that said when women are negotiating in like personal relationships, they end up doing worse for themselves because they care so much Mm. about the other person, you know? So it can get in your way. Now, for example, if you're raised to respect your elders, right? Mm-hmm. Don't challenge, respect your elders. Don't talk back. Because talking back or even asking a question could be considered rude. Mm-hmm. So now you're in a negotiation and you have somebody who's 20 years senior than you, you mm-hmm. know, and now you're, he, you know, and it's a, he maybe, or she, mm-hmm. and they say something and you disagree, but now you have all those messages conscious or not, they're weighing on you. Now, what do I do? You know, mm-hmm. because now it's a person who's senior to me, but I disagree with that person. And if I say something, then it might be rude. What should I do? So that's a real dilemma because even if you do say something, if you frame it in a way that, no, I need to advocate, I'm not being offensive and so on, you still may walk away with a residual feeling of, oh, gee, I think I overstepped a boundary and I was yeah. rude because that old story is just so strong for you. The socialization process that your community and your schools and your family, they were so good, you know, that you still carry that story about how I should be with mm. you into the workplace and it gets in the way. Mm. You hit it right on the head. Oh, that one right there. Ding, 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 Beth. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I thought about when I got married and I didn't realize I was bringing all these stories, but mm-hmm. I was taught not to interrupt. And I was mansplained a lot. And me and my husband, I tell you, he talking, I'm just like, okay, when am I going to get my space to to speak? And I'm just bringing the personal to the the table. And I realized it was me. I'm getting upset because I'm not interrupting because I was trained not to interrupt. But if you've been taking up the dominant part of the conversation, it's time for me to interrupt. And I had to learn to go against what I was taught. So I understand this completely on a personal level, especially. And for the other person, maybe your husband is somebody else. He's thinking, well, if she has something to say, she'll just say it. So yeah. I'm just going to keep going because she obviously has nothing to say because she's not saying anything. <laughs> and you're sitting there saying, where's my turn? Where's my space? So what a miscommunication, right? And and no, nobody meant anything bad by it intentionally. Mm-hmm. It's just those messages about behavior, about how we should be. Yes. Wow. <laughs> This is one, you know, how do we get beyond all the messages, this internal dialogue that we're competing against? Yeah. So part of what I do in the book and I do with my coaching and training and so on is I use different kinds of tools so that people can start to unpack what some Mm -hmm. of these messages are. And as I mentioned earlier, it's life work. So you're not going to do it all in one session, but do enough for whatever that particular preparation is needed. And so you start to unpack all of these stories that inform who you are, right? Mm -hmm. And then in different levels. So the stories I learned in my family, the stories I learned in school, the stories I learned in the media or the social media, especially today, you can't Mm -hmm. 
escape all of that constant messaging. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, what are the stories? And then you say, okay, how do they influence me? How do they shape how I enter into and conduct myself in a negotiation? And mm-hmm. then I would just separate them into which ones are working for me mm-hmm. that advance me and get me closer to the outcomes I want and which stories are holding me back and getting in my way. So the stories that work, let's just grow those. Let's magnify those and let's mm-hmm. strengthen those. And the stories that don't work, you know, I wish you just erase them or delete them, but we can't completely sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we have to rework them. We have to modify them mm-hmm. so they turn into strengthening stories and not inhibiting stories. So that's a process that happens constantly. You can mm-hmm. imagine right? in any given day, you have any number of negotiations And then after the negotiation, I think we need to reflect back. And here's where it's tricky because typically when I ask people and I always ask people first, what worked well? Mm -hmm. And inadvertently people transgress into, oh, I should have, I didn't. I'm like, okay, what worked well? And we Mm -hmm. keep going back to what worked well because you want to appreciate and commend yourself on putting in the effort because it's not easy to stay stay engaged and be in that negotiation Mm -hmm. and then figure out, okay, now what else could I do? what I learned from this one, what else can I do going forward to continue to strengthen myself? So it's a constant iterative mm. learning cycle that happens if you're open to it. Mm. Wow. Now I'm thinking about the woman who's more advanced in her communication, Beth, mm-hmm. versus the woman that may be extremely introverted and even timid, absolutely shy, afraid. Cause I hear it often uh, with women that I'm working with in leadership, they are afraid to use their voice in the boardroom, you know, what would you say to that woman that started this? Yeah. That's starting out. Yeah. So I had the two men. So one would be for somebody who's already confident and somebody who's a little bit like quieter. Mm -hmm. So everything is, could be potentially uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to think I'm going to have discomfort in speaking out or I'm going to have discomfort in being upset with myself for not speaking out. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we do, we don't just, we're not just neutral about these things. Mm-hmm. So then I would think, okay, which discomfort would I rather have? I mm-hmm. would rather have the discomfort that at least moves me forward a step. Mm-hmm. Right? So just showing up and trying and making that effort is an advancement, even if it's a disaster negotiation Mm. and I don't feel good and I don't get what I want, but I showed up. And that to me is really strong because if you don't show up, Mm. then it keeps getting bigger and more, more difficult, more challenging because we build it up in our head to being something greater than it is. So I would say that for the person who's shy and introverted, just set one small goal Mm -hmm. and that would be showing up. That would be just getting in the room and engaging and preparing something that you want to say. And then even if it doesn't work out, at least you showed up. And then the next time you do it again and just get it again, and then you develop or strengthen that muscle for showing up and then showing up will not be as big a deal, right? It will be a big deal, but not Mm -hmm. as big a deal because you're starting to get used to it. The person who's advanced, Mm -hmm. I think, and this is something, you know, I'm more senior in my career and this is something... I grapple with is, you know, is everything negotiable? Are you going to negotiate everything? What are you going to decide? Because I can sit there negotiating everything, but then I might be perceived as challenging depending on the receptivity of the other person. Mm -hmm. So I need to decide in any given day what's really important and what's like not that critical. And I would focus my energy on the things that are really important 
and that will really move me forward or move others forward that I'm needing to manage or advocate for, right? Mm -hmm. So that is another point because if you are just that, you know, squeaky wheel that just kind of like negotiates everything or challenges everything, you're going to be perceived as challenging everything, Mm. even if you're not. Just the fact that you're bringing it up and not just smoothly going along with things can be perceived as being challenging by some. Well stated. Thank you so much for giving us both sides of the coin. I loved it. I got chills on, especially for my girls who are struggling to use their voice. Just show up, ladies. Just show up. Just show up. That's it. (laughs) You know, they say sometimes half the battle. It, I think it is. I yeah. think it's even more than half. Mm. Commend yourself for doing it. That's all. Yeah. yeah. A win is a win is a win. Well, we, we are closing out and I have enjoyed you immensely. I know my audience is going to eat you up. <laughs> As we close out, Beth, any last words, key factors for success in negotiation that maybe you didn't get a chance to voice it, that you want to leave us chewing on and thinking about deeply uh, before we have our final words? Mm-hmm. I may have said it, but basically we all have a sense of agency. We all can improve and we all can do something different, but we have to have the motivation to want to do it. And then we have to know how. So we have to have that new knowledge and skills that allow us to show up with that agency to have positive outcomes. Probably Mm -hmm. the last word I'd say on that. Yes, positive outcomes. It's possible, ladies. One single thought at a time, one single action at a time. Beth, where can our listeners find you? Well, two places. One is I have a website. It's Beth Fisher Yoshida, just one word, dot com. And I have lots of updated information there. And the other is I'm at Columbia University. So you go to the Masters of Science in Negotiation and Conflict Resolution. And I'm faculty and program director. So you can find me there as well. Mm-hmm. Not hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> She's out there on the World Wide Web. Go get this new book, New Story, New Power, A Woman's Guide to Negotiation, as you can see. We had a lot of discovery moments within this short span of time, but you can get this book close to 300 pages and be empowered to negotiate at any time, at any place, ladies. It's up to you. What are you going to do? Thank you so much, Beth, for being on the Queen Fitness Lifestyle Podcast Show. We are absolutely thrilled to have you and look forward to anything that you have coming up. If you ever want to return to the show, you are most welcome. Oh, Chrissy, thank you. That's so generous. I look, I had a really good conversation. Thank you. It's my pleasure. On that note, ladies, it's time to go to work. Be the best you that you can be. And we'll be talking soon. Thank you for listening to the Queenfidence Lifestyle Podcast with image confidence expert, Christy Kennedy. May you find the strength to stand and the courage to conquer insurmountable obstacles. Visit us online at www.queenfidence.com. What is life without sparkle? You were created to shine. It's time to do what diamonds do. Wellness is wealth and life is limitless.